Welcome everyone to the Rink Rat Report podcast. Today is Tuesday, December 21st, when you're going to be listening to this. As you've probably already heard, the Leafs have paused. NHL, the NHL has actually paused activity until after the Christmas break, which is after December 26th, Boxing Day. So the NHL should be resuming by the 27th. Joined now by Josh. No Jason today. How's it going? Good. How are you? Yeah, you know, it's rough that uh, we're having a little pause in the season, but hopefully things get back to, you know, the regular schedule after that. We'll try not to talk too much about the delay. It's been talked ad nauseum so far on podcasts and Hockey Night in Canada. So we're going to do something a little different today. Exactly. Today, we're going to be looking at the Leafs calendar season, calendar year of 2021. So pretty much to think about it, to to conceptualize it, everything after the disappointment that was the Columbus series, we're going to be looking at that. So I guess some off-season hype that would be, right? Yeah, some off-season hype going into the 2021 season. Um, The 21-21 season and the Canadian division, the Leafs are the first and only champions of the North there. And then also we're going to look at this season as well. So all of that. So 2021 season, as well as the beginning of this season, mashed together a postmortem of all of that. Some thoughts and some uh, awards to be given out as well, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's hard to imagine when you think back that that entire previous season that ended with that loss to Montreal was all in this calendar year. It kind of feels like it spanned over two years but it's really just been one year which is crazy yeah first game of the year was january 13th uh that was the comeback win against montreal so all the games from then until now right i mean that first game against Montreal yeah. that was a little scary that one uh it went down against a team they really should be beating up on wayne simmons got into that fight and then john tavares in overtime right was it yeah it was a crazy first game and the whole year was crazy. You know, thinking back, oh, yeah. the Canadian division as a whole was just, just crazy. I believe Damian Cox has already written a book about it. And I think that's actually true. Like it, you can buy it at like chapters and in Indigo. It's, it was a fascinating year. I mean, playing the same teams over and over at the beginning was pretty interesting. Got some good rivalries. I feel like it got stale for some people. What do you think? Um, I think so. I I think it just got ridiculous at the end when it was Calgary and Vancouver had to play each other like four times in a row or something like that. And the playoffs had already started. Um, I mean, you have to finish out the season. I understand that Uh, the TVs, uh, the the broadcasting stations have already, you know, sold that advertising spot. Um, You don't for the draft purposes as well. These teams need to play these games, but it was just so ridiculous watching Calgary and Vancouver, two teams that were out of the playoffs play each other for what three or four times in a row like kind of a joke yeah including as you said after the playoffs had already started it was very odd but i do commend the nhl overall they they really did what they could with that season they made it work yeah and you're kind of seeing that again happen right now right like we're they're gonna they're gonna make it work i'm confident that they there's schedule flexibility everywhere don't be surprised if we see some of these you know baseball style two three game series maybe return to, as a way to you know finish off the schedule this year yeah and it's something that the players actually like more i don't know if like the arenas and the fans kind of like it so much but the players definitely do like not having to travel 
you know, travel to each for each game, having to travel somewhere else for it. Right. But one little conflict that has come up, I mean, the NHL told venues to keep that two week spot open for the Olympics. Like there, that Olympic break that was supposed to happen, which now we're going to see games scheduled in that time. I think some venues sold some of those spots. (laughs) So it'll be interesting. It'll be really interesting to see what they do. I mean, I wonder if they end up having to do like a, a neutral site almost for one of them. I think some teams are just going to have to deal with the fact that they probably will play not the perfect schedule. Like they're not going to, whatever it is in the division where you say you play each team like six times, it's not probably not going to end up exactly like that. Yeah. But I I think they're confident they'll find a way to finish the season. And it may not even end up with, unfortunately, like the Islanders, for example, are they going to, with all the scheduling conflict, are they going to be able to make up all those home games that they lost now? I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's going to be difficult, but go back to the Canadian division. I actually didn't mind playing the same team like two or three times in a row. I didn't, I thought it it brought some interesting hockey into play. Sometimes Um, I can remember, maybe it was a series against Vancouver where the Leafs, do you remember this where they, I I think they got smoked in the first game and everyone was like really upset and they came back and absolutely demolished them. Oh yeah. No. So that was after Vancouver was coming back from the COVID break. They, the whole team got COVID. If you remember that right. the Leafs were on a bit of a slide, they were going into that game, like minus 300 as they were in most games that year. Uh, and then the Leafs lost in overtime to the COVID infected Vancouver Canucks with Braden Holtby right. and that who had finished the season with a sub 900 save percentage. So, <laughs> yep. But, the, the, uh, but do I remember correctly? They came back and won after like, that was yeah, the interesting they definitely part of did. it. Right. And even the, everyone remembers that game against Ottawa that they blew. That was like the low point of that regular season, I think, mm-hmm. because that was just a ridiculous game to lose. But overall, like the Leafs in the regular season in that 2020, 2021 yeah, year were fantastic, really. Like they smoked you saw everyone. the emergence of you saw the emergence of Jack Campbell, which was probably overall the biggest storyline of this year. I think you know Frederick Anderson was a really solid goalie for the Leafs for the better part of the last half decade, and it, it kind of just you blinked and he was. Than afterthought. I know the injuries had a lot to play in that, and he's playing really well this year for Carolina. But really, I think the story of 2021 for the Leafs and hopefully going forward has been the emergence of Jack Campbell. Yeah, hopefully moving. They got to lock him up. I mean, this is, uh, he's playing so well for them. Like, <laughs> I'd really like to, I'm excited to see the Leafs ride, essentially ride Jack Campbell throughout the rest of this season. That's going to be really fun to see. It's really going to be interesting Absolutely. to see him play a uh, career high in games. I think his career high right now is 35, I want to guess, which I I know I said what I said in the offseason about Peter Mrazek getting the most amount of starts this year, but Jack Campbell, it seems like he's going to get 50 to 55 starts for sure, for sure, right? And that's what we want to see right now, right? Yeah. Like, as much as we like Mrazek, I think the Leafs are not – they're, they're probably going to make the playoffs, but that number one yeah. seed is going to be extremely important going forward. Yeah, because if you look at it, I mean, like, I think in the top, Dom Lucician, I hope I had that last name correctly, he had the power rankings of the top 10 teams, and three of them were from the Atlantic, I want to say, meaning that, like, two of them were going to have to play each other in the first round. There was, like, three or four teams from the Atlantic, and, like, that means that two of those teams are going to have to play each other in the first round. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, honestly. I guess people will say, oh, that's what the Leafs got last year because they got an easy break. But who knows? Maybe 
maybe this is the year where they play Tampa in the first round and they win. Like, as we'll get to it. We saw what happened when the Leafs had a quote-unquote easy opponent in the first round, mm. right? So, who knows? But Playoffs, anything That's why happen. I think Campbell, as as we said, Campbell as the story is has been, the, he has been, like, the surprise of, of the 2021 calendar year. I don't think anyone, I think a lot of people had good hopes for Jack, Jack Campbell. Yeah. And a lot of people knew Anderson would be a free agent. So it was, oh, you know, maybe he can be a solid backup and maybe they bring back Anderson and Campbell and so they split time or nobody envisioned this, which is Jack Campbell stepping up and becoming one of the best goalies in the NHL in the year of 2021. Yep. And it was quite interesting. If you remember, like when, when Frederick Anderson was really going through his struggles, Jack Campbell was injured. So it was like, it was just a matter of like, okay, can we get Campbell into the net again? (laughs) Yeah. Like he couldn't get in soon enough. And then finally, when he was ready, Anderson went down and he went down for an undisclosed period of time. And I mean, that trade deadline, do you want to get into that a little bit? So that was the next thing. Like some of the, I think that Felino. Taylor Hall situation looking back was very interesting. Yeah. I, we understand that Taylor Hall probably didn't want to come here because of the COVID restrictions at yep. the time, but and he had no trade just imagining and he had the no trade clause. So he did, he like, uh, what's the word? He controlled where he was going to go, mm-hmm. but I just can't, I just can't still help but think like the difference in that playoffs with a guy like Taylor Hall, mm-hmm. considering how the Leafs really struggled in games five, six, and seven to get depth scoring or really any scoring at all versus Nick Foligno, who I understand Nick Foligno got injured, but as a podcast, as, you know, Leafs fans, we were of the idea that that was not a great trade for them at the time, not hindsight either. At the time, what were your thoughts on the Nick Foligno trade? At the time, I thought it was a lot to give up for that player. However, that player was an upgrade in the roster, which is kind of a welcome addition, but I mean, you're paying, have six kids and you're paying $80,000 for a minivan. If that analogy makes any, any sense, right? Love that analogy. <laughs> Love that analogy. So it's what you, it, and it, you, you got an upgrade, but it was for way, way too much. Right. And it really didn't work out for the lease. Like that, that was one of the trades that, you know, not question Kyle Dubas, but a lot of lease are saying, okay, like I get that we're going all in here, but was this the right guy? And some mm-hmm. people really liked it. I think that's another thing that gets lost. And after the Leafs lost, you know, that offseason, oh, the Leafs don't have a first-round pick. Their cupboard is barren. They don't have anybody coming up the pipeline. Like, those are the same people who are universally praising the Nick Foligno trade. Yep. So it's just interesting to go back and look at that time period, right? Like, another thing, look, like, the David Reyes trade was, I get why they did it. They needed the insurance at yep. the time. But looking back, they the Leafs gave up a lot of draft capital at that deadline. Third round pick for David Riddick, who played like five regular season games, I want to say, and then was the third goalie in the playoffs. So yeah. it's unfortunate because him and Ben Hutton, you gave a third round pick for Riddick, and then you gave a fifth round pick for Ben Hutton. Neither of them played any playoff games. Neither of them even came close to playing playoff games. And they just sat there. It was an insurance policy. I understood why, but like it was very expensive insurance policy. And that's what I was under the impression of at the time. And turns out we didn't need them. And that really, really sucks because you just gave up a third and a fifth for nothing. Right. Yeah. And it's hard to swallow, especially when you, you know, when you lose in the first round and those guys don't really, 
matter right. in the playoffs at all because they weren't even close to really cr cracking the lineup, right? That's the tough pill to swallow. And you add on the fact that Nick Foligno couldn't get healthy from really the second game here on, which was unfortunate. I mean, I'm sure a healthier Nick Foligno would have made a much better impact on the playoffs here. Yeah, but, for sure. I mean, the way he played was – it was subpar, really. It was. And he, I, I'm not saying that he's completely washed up, but if you – if you look at how he's been playing for Boston this Boston. year, it hasn't been much better, really. Zero goals, seven assists, I want to say, in 18 games. I don't have it in front of me. I'm literally just like off the top of my head trying to yeah. remember. But yeah, it's, it's, it's not good. Like that, it's so. not good at all. But, and he's getting Another three, guy, seven, five from Boston. For three years? Nah, two. Two years, so. That's still a lot. And then another, another face that maybe we've forgotten about, remember Joe Thornton? How about that? That was mm. another... That was an interesting nice offseason. to do better for him. That was yeah. an interesting offseason, right? I mean, look who they signed and add on anyone that I'm missing here, but it was Zach Bogosian who worked out well. We almost missed yep. him for playoffs. Holy, if he was out for playoffs too. Jesus. But yeah. it was Zach Bogosian. Uh, we signed for one year, $1 million. Worked out fine. He was serviceable. He was fine on a, he was a good third pairing guy. Joe Thornton, who they signed for seven fifty, right? We know how that experiment went. Wayne Simmons, they signed one year, $1.5 million. Uh, Jimmy VC, one year, 900 K. Uh, Travis Boyd, they signed, I want to say for seven fifty, And I think that's it. TJ Brody. And teach. Oh, TJ Brody. That was long-term. That was a long-term. I was going through yeah, the one year, yeah. but yeah, TJ Brody, that was whew, saved us. <laughs> right. So Absolutely. the TJ Brody one, we all know how that one's working out. It's working out fantastically, but like, what do you think of the other ones? So those overall, like, as we talked about in the playoff, they didn't, you know, those guys were, those are the shots you take, right? You take the one year yeah. shots on those players. But I also think again, that some of that is the fault of Sheldon Keith. Like he overplayed Joe Thornton. We all know that. Like he really did, especially oh, yeah. on the power play in the playoffs. When you're seeing how this Leafs power play is playing, how about this simple thing? Like when Mitch Marner first got hurt, we were legitimately saying like this power play is not losing a step because of how fantastic Jason Spezza is. How is Jason Spezza not on that first power play in the playoffs? I just exactly it's this. It, you have four of the five, if pretty much all the same guys that you're using on the power play, whether it be with Mitch Marner, without Mitch Marner. Um, I mean, what when Spezza went, uh, when Spezza obviously got suspended, they brought in Kasha, which. You didn't have Kasha last year, but that's six guys that you're using on the power play that you're using on the power play that you had last year. They, and I don't, how many, how many times did we actually see those guys on the ice for a power play like that? Never. Like, I understand John Tavares got injured, but the power play for the entire first round was regular season. Marner, yeah. And it was Matthews, Marner, Sandin, Riley and Hyman and Thornton. And like, when, when you start to think about it, Let's think it back. I understand Joe Thornton's a good passer, but in terms of fluidity, in terms of movement on a power play, like Zach Hyman and Joe Thornton do not personify fluid puck movement. No offense to those guys. Joe Thornton at one point did, but Hyman was essentially a stick in front of that, which he's very good at. Mm -hmm. Joe Thornton was kind of playing an awkward bumper position for him at that age where his shot wasn't much of a threat. And no wonder you had a stagnant back and forth Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews passing play. There, there was nothing else there. There's no other options that threatened anyone. Which is what we were talking presence. about too. It, it was frustrating, it's, even in that mm -hmm. playoffs. It was frustrating all off season for us because, man, there's so much talent. Like especially in that playoffs, William Nylander, another player 
he is was the breakout skater for the Leafs this year, no doubt. He played yeah. essentially at a point a game pace from the playoffs on. So yeah. I, that was a that was a bit. It's, power play has been another big talking point of the calendar year this year. Oh yeah, the the peaks and valleys that the power play has experienced has been incredible. But when you also think about it, the difference between this year's power play and last year, I mean, how much of a net front's presence was John Tavares last year? Like all of last year, I know he wasn't available for playoffs, but last year there the power play went through some struggles. There was like twenty games they did nothing. And like, how much were you saying, oh, John Tavares in front of the net versus this year where it's like, he's getting those tips, he's getting the rebounds, he's freeing up pucks in front of the net. Like you didn't get any of that, but it was like, you had that use, you had that tool there and you never really explored it. It was really weird. So. Yeah. And it, and it, honestly, I'm not going to say that cost them, but it, it didn't help. That's right. for sure. The power play was a huge letdown in the playoffs last year. Right. Another thing you start to think about is you you look at how much Timothy Lilligren or how little Lilligren and Sandine played. That was another thing we talked about a lot too, right? Played Lilligren played two games had. last year. And he two was games. healthy all year. Two games and Rasmus Sandine was injured, but was again he was sent to the Marlies. Like Right. Sent to right. the Marlies, and then and in the first round of the playoffs, he was playing power play one. It's just shocking looking back what we know now, only what, seven months ago, that these guys yeah. were not even a factor for the Leafs. And now these are legitimate, you know, everyday players. But I don't want to skip too far forward. We'll get, we'll get into the, that little off-season expansion talk. But any post-mortem one more time on that Hab series? On the Hab series. I mean, Cause that's as you where mentioned, we are in the timeline. Yeah, as you mentioned, uh, well, actually – I'm trying to think. I'm trying to remember. Oh, I wanted to go back to some some moments of 2021. Um, the the Jake Muzzin puck flip at Matthew Kachuk was fantastic. Was one of my favorite. It broke the Flames. It seemed like the Flames didn't it know how to play hockey after that. <laughs> exactly. It was like the it was like what Wilson did to the Rangers. Like maybe for the best for the Flames in the long run because they ended up you know making some whatever some uh, an interesting coaching move. Let's say that. It's working it's, out. It's worked out. We we didn't think it would, but it has. But yeah. you're right. At the time, it completely broke the Calgary Flames. If you look how well they're playing this year, and it's not a lucky season so far for the Flames. They're playing really no. good hockey. Last year, they couldn't make the playoffs in the Canadian division. It was just shocking. But also last year, they couldn't defend the rush for some reason. So like no. it's it's clearly, and it's most of the same players. I mean, Blake Coleman's in there. Um, Oliver Shillington, they had last year. They just didn't use which is kind of weird um i mean like chris Tan he was on waivers had, yeah he was put on waivers at the beginning of this year i want to say like which just crazy. insane um and then oh so blake Holmes was an addition i think they i mean manjapane they had last year um but they weren't playing them this much until the all. end of last year until the end no not at all like it, it, when you look at it like the breakout stars of the calgary flames this year they had last year and they just weren't using them. And then on top of that is just some strategic coaching things that they've changed. Markstrom is obviously playing a lot better this year. And I think you're seeing that with difference. Yeah. Yeah. You're seeing that with a lot of goalies this year as well. Like Tristan Jari's having a breakout year. Carter Hart, I think is having a better year. They've been on a big slide. Um, Who else am I thinking? Cam Talbot's having a fantastic year versus last year. He had a good year. 
Bobrovsky's having a better year, even though of late he's been a little bit shaky. Uh, I'm probably missing a few. I'm trying to think. Not Demko. Um, nah, nothing in Winnipeg. Anderson. Um, Frederick Anderson, exactly. Yeah, that's a big one there. Uh, James Reimer. James Reimer's James having Reimer, a yeah. terrific year. He was a third goalie last year at the end of the year. He yeah. was a third goalie. Now he's putting up some of the best numbers in the NHL. When you look at like, that's like, that I, we just named like six goalies. This is not like their second year, third year. These are experienced goaltenders that had just, that just completely like shit the bed last year. And now this year having breakout years. And I think the pandemic and those restrictions that the players had to go through really played a massive part in that. Right. Yeah. That's the thread that's, we're, we're not going to talk too much about it, but like that, it, it was a big factor this year for a lot of players. Right. And yeah. we've seen it. Like you're talking about these goalies that were Carter Hart's talked about it publicly, how much of a struggle last year was for him yeah. mentally. And look, look how he's playing this year so far. Right. So yeah, I, I'm trying to think of other moments we were like in, in the least season. Uh, the fight like in game one just, from Wayne Simmons was just that, rock oh, star. I mean, the the biggest moment really that sticks out to me was the turning point of the Leafs season was John Tavares' injury, and that was a oh, scary yeah. moment. Yeah, that, that was, was like, remember watching that the first time? You're like, this is this is really serious, and it was serious, yeah. but luckily it wasn't as bad as it first looked. But yeah, yeah, that was it. Seemed know, like career altering at first. That was. It, that was really scary. That was. And, and then so back to like a good moment. I'm just because like the Amazon series did a decent job of recapping it. Like Campbell's winning streak, right? That was insane. Oh, yeah. That win against Calgary. Taking that record. Yeah. Um, the win against Calgary we had in the last minute to stack the pad save to win it. That was yeah, awesome. Was- yeah. The, the, the record there that you mentioned. I remember a lot of frustrating moments like that. That Vancouver loss, the Ottawa loss. Um, those two were just absolutely brutal. I don't know why the losses stick out so much because there wasn't that. Because that's many. what it's like. Yep. It's like being a Leaf fan, honestly. Um, how about this one? The how about a little foreshadowing that game against Winnipeg, where the Leafs get the oh. empty netter and Yel Pion goes for like the little slew foot neon Mitch Marner and Shifley's in there and Paul Maurice is complaining after in the media and yeah. So there was that, That there was that game, but then there was also another Winnipeg game where Joe Thornton and Nick Ehlers started yelling at each other. Oh yes, that's right. So some more foreshadowing on that one there. That was kind of interesting. Um, I'm trying to remember what other like kind of moments were there. Oh, there was a Caden Primo start where he just gave up like, yeah, there was a few shitty goalie starts that they got to experience they were on the the winning end against that was a lot of fun the ottawa like what they went eight one when matt murray had to step yeah. in uh who's yeah. who's the goalie started hogberg he had a he had a tough goal this year i mean last year and now is in swedish league but that was interesting there uh i'm trying to remember anything else the barabanov experience that was interesting to say the least it was short-lived i mean not that great unfortunately the prevailing moment of that season i i'm sure it's in your mind too if you can't stop thinking about that collapse against montreal that that season regardless of all the little good moments of that is the yeah 
most memorable thing that happened. And it's unfortunate. I, I don't know. We've, we, you, if you've listened to this podcast over the last year, you've heard us break this down many times, but that yeah. is either going to be a, that's the final put up or shut up moment as how these players reacted to that loss, which yeah. was honestly about as crushing as they, they've all been crushing, but that one to lose that way to Montreal was that, that felt like, as low as it could go, which is crazy because oh, yeah. they're a playoff team. But that was – it's hard to put into words how frustrating that still is, and especially at the time. You know, they were looking so good. Galchenyuk, that's the other thing. Like, oh, yeah, was, we, didn't, he we was, didn't talk about that. He was brought up from, like, not obscurity, but really obscurity because he's not even in the league now. Like, he's, right? he's not playing Arizona. Now. He's – whatever. They're barely in NHL. Barely, so. like – and – he was such a good reclamation project. And then yeah. I, that one play in that overtime where he made that spinning behind the back pass at his own blue line that led to a Suzuki and Caulfield two on all. Mm-hmm. And on that two on all, it didn't look, game. yeah, it didn't look like that, that went in like at first, at least Joe Bowen didn't think it went in. I know right. and, like to lose an overtime. Okay. Game five. And they came back. Right. Nothing yep. was going for the Leafs. Third period, Muzzin scored twice or once. I can't twice, remember. but twice, and yep. they came back and they have that crushing loss. Okay, it's okay. You still got Game Six. Game Six was the penalty disaster. Mitch Marner flips the puck over the glass. They whatever. They end up in overtime again. They absolutely. Where he cried. He cried in the penalty box. I think it was eighteen. He, yes, he, exactly. They pep. How I don't. How many shots the Leafs have in that overtime against Price? It was Fifteen oh, or wow. something. Yeah, in 15, 10 minutes, 16. in 11, whatever it was. Yep. And Dermot makes one bad turnover and the puck's in the back of our net. And then game seven. No Jake Muzzin in game of, seven. No Might Jake Muzzin in game seven. But the frustrating part is that game seven was a complete egg. They laid a complete egg. That was probably one of the worst games they played all year, honestly. Like there was no offense at all. They were dumping the puck in. It was ugly. It was straight up ugly. And they blew it to Montreal. And Montreal makes the cup, cup final. Like, it was – that was – Did Matthews hit the that post really in that tough. game, I want to say? It didn't matter. Yeah, they, did. they, they stunk. But anyway, so game five actually was 3 nothing. It was a Hyman goal that didn't even – you couldn't even tell that he touched it. And then it was the yeah. two Jake Muzzin goals. And the, the tying goal was the, the nice assist from, uh, from Alex Galchenyuk. And then he pulled that garbage – in overtime there like just reliving that over and over again it's just like what could have been like just the, the little moments here and there that you're like shit man <laughs> like even game one like game one they i know it was flat but like it was, it was a one goal game they could they could have easily won game one like but yeah and you know hopefully again that is the the real we've been saying this a lot like the Columbus series, I didn't think was as – like, that was a really weird year. You're in an actual bubble, like an yeah. actual bubble where all the teams are in the bubble. Like, they really should have probably lost in four games against Columbus. Honestly, I know that's bad to say, but, like, they had a miraculous comeback. They lost that's in game the, five, but that one – That's the thing. That, like, after that miraculous comeback, like, it was just like, okay, like, this is the the defining moment, the team of destiny. And then in game seven – John Tavares hits the post on a wide open net and then you can't get anything going. And then you get that shitty goal where you get, sorry, you had a shitty um, too many men on the ice penalty. 
I think twice in that game. And then you get that horrible line change where it's five on one against Martin Marinson. And then the, the shot that goes in is a really crappy one against Frederick Anderson. And you lose two nothing. Like that was holy moly. That was a bad one. I, I agree, but I, for, that wasn't as close to as crushing as the Habs loss. It really no, wasn't. not like, even close. The Habs, not even close. That was worse. That is right up there with the Boston four one blow. Honestly, it is for me. Like it was just more prolonged. I felt. Right? They also had no business losing that series. That's the biggest thing. They just had no business yeah. losing that series, but they did. True. Right? They did. And then anything else you want? Like, I almost don't ever want to talk about that again at this point, but just anything our, else our on that? Closing like, moments the, on the, the Canadian the division. The storyline is like, yeah, the storyline is can the best players on the Leafs step it up and, and yeah. when the lights are on bright? Like, we'll see. We don't know the answer to that still. Yep. They'll get a they'll get another turn this year. I mean, Austin Matthews won the Rocket Richard Trophy. That like, was fantastic. That was really awesome to see. Uh, what else did we see there? We got just the experience of some players saying goodbye to Frederick Anderson. Uh, Zach Hyman. Zach Hyman saying goodbye to Zach Hyman. That was that was a really tough one. But and you know it, it was a this really ended up being a pivotal offseason for Kyle Dubas, right? We don't know how it ends mm-hmm. up yet, but I, I mean, as it became more clear that the Leafs were not going to be able to retain Zach Hyman and yeah. they weren't, were going to let Frederick Anderson go, it was, you know, what is he going to do with the money? And I wish we had the, I wish we could put like a little clip in here of us on, I don't know what day it was, like free agent frenzy day one, how disappointed we were. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, my, my cousin Nick uh, gladly <laughs> reminded me of how disappointing we were to to sign a certain uh, check centerman but you know like the big thing also was going into that free agency I was like the Leafs haven't taken any you know like waivers on players and had it work out such as they did with when you think about um, like think about like the Cody Franz in trade think about the signing of um, Mason Raymond think about like yeah just cheap acquisitions of experienced players where they come in. Mike Santorelli, I think was in one of those trades as well. He worked out pretty well. Pa Parento was a good player for them, even though they were complete garbage that year. Like just think about like cheap bring-ins like for a million or less that ended up becoming big, like good solid contributors on the team. Right. And you're not talking about like Joe Thornton, right? You're not talking about the 40 year olds. You're talking about like reclamation, Wayne Simmons, you know, even twenty, yeah. Like you're talking, like what Galchenyuk would hypothetically be, like that in the offseason. Yeah, saying. yeah, something like that. Which, and I mean, he brought in Bunting, he brought in Kasha for both of those players under a million. And a half. Both of those players make less than a million and a half. Andre Kasha was a major, like, okay, just keep get him as long as he's healthy. And I mean, one point two five for Andre Kasha. I mean, we think, oh, that's peanuts, but like evolving wild had him at 750 as, as their value for him. Like, yeah, so he didn't like, play last year. Yeah, he, he played three games. And then the year before, he was also injured. And like Michael Bunting, it was like, okay, like he had a good 21-game stretch. We gave him two years. It's like, what's he going to look like over 82 games? And I mean, we're 30-some-odd games in and looking pretty good. More, much more. He has, I think I checked it today. He has like five more even strength points than Zach Hyman has this year. So it's like, okay, Andre Kasha, he's he's been a, a an energizer buddy throughout this this lineup. Like I've I've loved Andre Kasha, what he brought, 
And um, the big question mark one, third line center. What do you think of David Camp so far this year? I mean, he's been good, man. It's hard. It's like, again, I remember saying this. We both said this. Like, this is a situation where we'd absolutely love to be completely wrong. Yeah. Like, we were absolutely down Kyle Dubas's throat for that signing. And I think some of it was deserved because a lot of Leafs fans were just expecting something different on that day. Yeah. And it came later. They signed Nick Ritchie. They signed Andre Kasha, which were – because the Leafs, you looked at their roster, it was like, Okay, is Joey Anderson and Adam Brooks <laughs> going to be our really our fourth Nick line? Robertson, like, Nick Robertson, Nick no, Robertson too. No offense to those guys, but well, that's the other thing. We were at the point where like, if Nick Robertson's not on this team, who the heck is playing wing in the? If like, Nick Robertson's in not in the six top six, then who's yeah, playing the wing? Because there was nobody else. But exactly. you know, you bring you bring in Kasha. I, I really think Kasha and Bunting are two of the better free agent signings by any team this year. I don't think that's oh, a Leafs bias thing either. Think about how many teams absolutely blow it in free agency every single year. And not yeah. that the Leafs have it. It seems yeah. like one player that they signed will be a mistake. Not, hopefully not. But I mean, those guys have way. been legitimate top six wingers making peanuts, right? Bunting is Bunting has been Zach Hyman for us, essentially. I don't know if people are going to think that's like crazy to say, but. Yeah, he's a, uh, he- I don't think his puck retrievals are as good as what Zach Hyman's is because like that was Zach Hyman. It was a major part of his game. However, in terms of like his offensive production and putting the puck in the net, bunting has been better. Yeah. It's plain and simple. Bunting has been better at like helping to actually drive offense on his own than, than what Zach Hyman was. Zach Hyman, obviously I'm like, I'm downplaying. Zach Hyman was a terrific player for the Leafs, but bunting is doing some things better than what Zach Hyman did. He's bringing a different element to that Matthews line, right? And I, I really like um, the look between Bunting and, and, and Austin Matthews, right? Absolutely. And, and I avoid your question because I don't want to jinx David Comp because I no. still think there's we, – we've pointed out the little nuances of David Comp, which include the fact that, you know, against some of the better teams, against some of the stronger forward lines in yeah. the league, he's not playing as much, right? He's not playing – the Bergeron minutes. He's not playing the Philip Deneau minutes yeah. against those guys. Against LA, we see him play a lot. He, he, like, because, you know, Kobotar may be playing in whatever role that he's. That's a bad example. I'm going to take that back. Let's say San Jose, for example. Yeah. He's, play, he's played in that role against San Jose. 50 50 has been good, has been bad. He's played yeah. in that role against some not as good teams. Against Columbus, he played well. Against Chicago, he's played well. Like, those teams, he's been able to play his role effectively. The yeah. question down the stretch is going to be when they play Florida in the first round, when they play Tampa in the first round, when they possibly play, I don't know, Boston in the first round. Yeah. What is going to happen with David Kampf? It's going to be interesting. Who's, who is line mates going we to be? We don't know. And with David Kampf, you've really seen the difference between him playing with a guy like Andre Kasha, as you said, and no offense to these guys, but like when he's played with Richie and Engvall, for example. Yeah. Especially you've Richie seen and production. Richie and Simmons is a great, that's a much better example. Richie and Simmons, like, that's not a, as good of a shutdown line. Andre Kosh is really good. And I don't know if he's going to end up, probably he will end up back down there, right? And um, maybe to add someone yeah, to that line at the crazy. deadline. Like a, like a, you know, honestly, like a Nick Foligno would be nice on that line this year, but that doesn't cost <laughs> $1 million. That type of player, though, right? We'll see. But overall, I think comp, we got to, 
the expectations are not fair to be, is he Philip Deneau? No, he's not Philip Deneau. No. Is he exceeding a $1.5 million player so far this year? Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's Absolutely. Winning face-offs, plays the penalty kill pretty well, like blocks shots. Tough minutes. Like that. He's able to, he, he knows what, he, he clearly knows where to be on the ice in the defensive zone. Um, he does know how to play responsibly defensively, but from the other team's offensive zone while still being like, in position and doing what he should offensively. Right. But he's a, he's a very calculated defensive player. It's unfortunate. He has zero offensive ability, but we knew that when we got got four goals, he's got four goals. That's true. He's got four times the amount of goals as uh, certain players on this freaking team. (laughs) Yeah. But like everything you said was right. You know, he's, he plays those defensive minutes. He's good at getting the puck to the other end. And, Hopefully yeah. that continues for the rest of the season. So in terms of like moving forward 2022, who do you think are the key players to kind of like keep an eye on that you're really going to have to keep an eye on? Um, whether it be so they have me, to improve, I, they have to keep it up. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean, right? Right. We didn't really touch on the expansion situation, but the answer Ooh. is Justin Hall, right? When you consider everything that went on with that, like there's not a player who had a, a tale of, two seasons in one calendar year, like Justin Hall has had. Jake Muzzin too. Right? But I, I don't think anyone's that worried about Jake Muzzin. Maybe they are, and I'm missing it. Like, I think he, a part of it is he's getting bogged down by some bad partners. Like, we saw him play well with TJ Brody earlier this year, right? Yeah. So I'm not that concerned. Justin Hall has not played well with anyone this year. Yeah. No, it's been horrible. <laughs> Even on the third and I, and I give, I give Jake Muzzin the benefit of the doubt of like, okay, like, he 30 bad games can happen for him. He's an older player. He's seen a lot in the league. Like Justin Hole has is not in that situation where he gets the benefit of the doubt because yeah. he really only had one good season, right? 50 so I think 53 games or 56 games. Right. So exactly. Three fifths of a season. I mean, I think he's the number one in terms of what are you gonna show us here? Like, are we gonna have to make a big splash? Yeah for a different defenseman because right now he's not fitting in the top four of the Toronto Maple Leafs. He has stunk, but a couple of things on that. Jake Muzzin, I think, I think I recall the shot that he blocked where afterwards it's been like, Oh my God, this guy can't do anything. It was a shot off the heel. Um, and I think that might be slowing him down a little bit, but we've, we're on a pretty big break right now. So it's going to be interesting to see how he bounces back right after this break, just because he's had that time to heal a little bit. Um, in terms of Jake uh, Justin Hall, I mean, re- do you remember our criticism of Travis Dermott where it's like, oh, it's, it's easy to be a defensive third pairing defenseman. You're not playing against the, the, the toughest guys, right? You remember that part when we right. said that? Absolutely. Justin Hall hasn't even been able to be good defensively in the third pairing. Let no, alone he is not. The, the second pairing, even offensively, he hasn't done anything. He has one assist. Does he have one assist this year still? I think so. <sighs> Incredible. Yep. 24 games, 24 games, one assist last year. He had 20 points somehow. Like I I don't understand what happened to Justin Holt. Like you're seeing mistakes and you're seeing brain farts and you're seeing plays. Like I, I don't recall him being this horrible at moving the puck out of his own end. Like he just can't do it. He gets to it. And then it's like, his stick gets stuck in the boards. It seems like it's, it's a travesty watching this guy try to break out of his own net. It gives me Zaitsev throwbacks. I never want that ever again. Oh God. Yeah. 
Yeah, Saitsev's out four it weeks. It'll be interesting like. to see how Ahadwa plays without him. Probably well. Probably pretty well. Exactly. I agree on that front. But yeah, Justin, I mean, the expansion, when you look back at it, we were very supportive of the, the decision to keep Justin Hall. And uh, we shouldn't have been because it has sucked. But to yeah. be fair, how could you I, I, th- I still, you could still see the process, right? The process made sense. Like Tucker Pullman made $3 million. In, in like Justin Hall, two and a half over four. In the open yeah. yeah, like Justin Hall in the open total. market would have been a would have probably been a three to four million dollar defenseman, right? Like, oh my god, he would have got paid. He would have, a hundred percent. He would have, a hundred percent. So hopefully he figures out. What about you? What do you think? One guy to look like going into next year. It's hundred percent. Looking back Nick on this Ritchie. year and going into next year, it's a hundred percent Nick Ritchie. I mean, when I was looking at the numbers today, in terms of points per sixty. Jimmy VC has a way higher points per 60 with the Leafs. Even this year, he has more points, I think, than, than Nick, what Nick Ritchie has right now. It's just been absolutely abysmal. A guy that's supposed to come in and score goals is just not doing that. He's not producing that that much offensively. Like We're cheering on this guy when he makes simple plays as if like he's, you know, he's, he's the 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 five foot nothing kid in a high school game like this is <laughs> this is just pathetic at this point and you paid him two and a half million dollars over two years or 2.25 or whatever it is over two years you brought him in to score goals he started on the first line like it's it's trending exactly like how jimmy vc was except jimmy vc was making 900k and he was putting up more points than nick ritchie yeah that's crazy Absolutely insane. But any other ones that you have to keep your eye on? Like, I'm very confident that Kasha and Bunting continue this to keep this up. Like, I agree. I, I like Nick Ritchie. It's hard to say anyone else, right? I think you you asked Vanilla Player of the Year. I don't know if he got any votes for that, but the like, votes for that. I mean, do you want to get into it? We'll MVP? look at it at the end. No, we'll look at the end. We'll look okay. at the end. One thing I did want to touch on quickly is you know. We've we in the last couple of podcasts we've done some summaries of you know this season that's going on right now. I think there's a like they're really playing promising hockey this year, right? Like the numbers look good, yeah. the fancy stats look good, the players look good, right? So I, like I know everyone is playoffs, 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 but we need to you know tip your cap to where I think they're playing better this regular season than they did in the Canadian division season. I don't know if you agree with that. But in terms of their actual style of play, and not necessarily wins, losses, goals, assists, but like expected goals, high danger chances, watching them play, how they've played in their own zone, it's been better. Yes. No, and it's been much, much better. Like, I got to shout out Nick Guida. He's our, he's our buddy. He loves us in the pod. He wants to be called the shadow rap, by the way, because he likes giving us things to talk about in the shadows. But he gave me five things that he thinks, like, well, a couple of these are things that have helped the Leafs this year, and I agree with all of them. Tell me what you think. How about this one? The Leafs are 16-0 and after being ahead for two periods. Like, sorry, for he wrote it completely butchered, but you notice that. After, when leading after two periods, the Leafs are 16-0 and this year. When leading after That's something periods. they've struggled with. That's it something they've like, struggled with. They've blown yeah, leads In the Canadian division, the it was really weird. They would like there was a bunch of times where they would get a lead, they would blow it, and then they would end up winning the game. It was just like it was right. it was really, really strange the some of the patterns in the games. Like in the Canadian division, they didn't like they, they I don't know if they covered the puck line too too often. 
Like maybe no, I'm and just we saw in years it. prior with Babcock, they would blow games like it was unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Some of the games they blow. But it was but interesting because last two- year in the Canadian division, like they did a better job of like maintaining and not blowing those leads. They would almost blow it, but not blow it. And like we progressed from completely blowing it to almost kind like almost not blowing it. And then now it's like, it's a lot more comfortable. Right. If that makes Absolutely. any sense. And then he pointed out one thing we already talked about. It's the power play, the movement on the power play. That's something I want to keep seeing going into the next year. Like keep the fluidity, keep the, you know, playing from behind the the goal line, keep, you know, using the bumper, using the front of the net, John Tavares tips, Morgan Riley getting shots through like Morgan Riley. It's been great in December, right? It's yep. been great in November. He's been really good. Um, break-ins. Even power play break-ins that little, like you talked about that little half wall break-in. Yep. I mean, it's been really good. Um, the penalty kill has been better too. Penalty kill has been much, much better. Last year they were in the twenties high, or I mean, low twenties, I want to say, but now it's been better. I mean, without Mitch Marner, it obviously takes a hit, but like it's, it's, it's looked better. Right. So hopefully they can keep that up. I mean, when you win the special Absolutely. teams game, it's, it's, it's a big advantage. Absolutely. And then another thing he said is, you know, comparing the depth scoring this year to last year, they're getting a lot more from the likes of Alex Kerfoot this year is putting up more, a lot more offense than he did last year. Yeah. Michael Bunting's been able to pretty much replicate what Zach Hyman's done at five on five, which is very good in terms of goal numbers. Spets has been good again. Simmons has been similar numbers wise, but making much more of an impact. No, he's much better in terms right. of numbers this year. Oh, he, uh, he is. Oh, he, oh much sorry. Better. You're right. He is much better. Much he had better. nine points in 38 games last year. And he has 10 and 29. So you're right. He's yeah. much better, which is great. I looked Both at his per point. 60 and I, already, I looked at a bunch of per 60s and like his, his per 60 is way, way up this year. So, And then obviously you add, you add a guy like Andre Kasha who like, you didn't have a guy in your bottom six who's on, like he's on pace for 20 goals this year. So yeah. I think that's another good point. These are all things we got to, you know, keep doing going into the new year because this team, again, it looks like it's, Probably better than last year's team. I don't know yeah. if you want to make that declaration, but it seems like they're they're playing a more sustainable style of winning hockey this year. So Nick, we don't want me to point those things out. And yeah, thanks, Nick. But um but yeah, since that yeah, awful I, start, I, it's eighteen. They are eighteen, four, and one. Yeah, like, that's pretty good. That's pretty damn good, I've gotta say. And no uh and it's been no Mitch Marner too, right? For the past how yeah. many games? Six like, games. Yeah. So they're playing. And they've been able to keep it afloat, which yeah. is good. Exactly. Exactly. So hopefully they can, I think they will keep this up kind of thing, right? Absolutely. But yeah, it'll be interesting. Another player to kind of watch Peter Mrazek. We'll see. I just hope he can stay healthy. But I, I think he'll he'll string together some some good games, take the workload off Jack Campbell. But inevitably, I think Jack Campbell will definitely be the starter coming into playoffs, right? But Agreed. I agree 100%. with those points that Nick brought up. I mean, the power play looks so much better. The penalty kill has been doing better, and they're not. You're not. Uh, you're not cashing out mid game on, on the Leafs bet <laughs> right now. No, you're not. Not at all. Not at all. In terms of other things. With the Leafs, in, in terms of Leafs year in review, did you have anything else you want to get into awards? Yeah, let's get into the awards. Because I think some of the other things I wanted to touch on 
can be like mixed into the awards little little podcast special where we blend two things in one okay um i i mean i didn't prep you on this one so i don't know if you have anything off the top of your head but bottom six player of the year did you have so this is the calendar year right this is the calendar year yes it's got to be jason spezza right jason spezza i I think he's fourth on the team in points per 60 for 2021 fourth or fifth he's also i think i think the most universally loved leaf right now honestly it's like you could say it's austin matthews but there's still people who will bag him for his playoffs right like everyone loves jason spezza nobody's saying a bad word about jason spezza and deservedly so all the way down to him you know the most recent thing we've seen of him the way he closed his 2021 season is him you know sticking up for his teammate which we saw him do in the columbus series too he's he's just He's awesome to have. I I hope he stays as long as, you know, he wants, but Jason Spezza. Oh yeah. So Jason Spezza, if you remember, so the, the, the ebbs and flows of 2021. So like actually closed off the season against Columbus, that fight was absolutely electric. Um, It was the only shimmer of hope that I had in that game for game four against Columbus, but started off the year a little bit slow, got put on waivers for the purpose of like for cap purposes, essentially, and told the entire NHL, I will retire if you claim me. <laughs> I forgot about that. And then went on, actually picked up his play pace, had, I think, 30 points in 52 games, something like that. Had a good playoffs, too. Like, they, he was very good in the playoffs. If they don't get that performance from him, that Montreal series is not, clo- is not as close as it is. And then to start this year, the Leafs played, like, crap at the beginning of this year. Like, no other way to put it. They played, like, complete crap. And he was the only one producing offensively. I know he slowed down a bit, like he had that 12-game stretch, but like then you just get these moments like the Minnesota game or even the Ottawa game, I know they lost, but like you got two huge points from him there. The Minnesota game, you got three huge points from him there. He's, like, he's a beast. He's getting paid league minimum, and he, he, he brings something to the, to the lineup, and he brings that veteran experience as well. Like You just can't say enough good things about Jason freaking Spezza, right? I, I think that's – like there's other candidates, I mean – Kasha has been good in the bottom six this year. David Kampf, obviously, but those guys have only like Jason Spezza the last two full seasons playoffs. Everything has been just solid. Just so heart and soul. And he he gave us a a good screenshot that from that slap shot from the rock star zone. Oh yeah. That was the Spezza zone. That was freaking awesome there. But, (laughs) and then his response to it too was pretty good. I've been doing that my whole career. I've been doing that for 20 years. Yeah, bottom bottom six player of the year is a hundred percent Jason Spezza, hands down. And then let's get into it. MVP. Who did you have for MVP? I mean, it's got to be Jack Campbell, right? It, it has to be because that's what... even in even in the low points of of the season, he's been good, and that's really the true mark of an MVP, right? Oh yeah. Yep. So it was so I'll... everyone on Twitter said. I mean, like literally everyone on Twitter said uh, said Jack Campbell. I mean. Yeah, Paul forty three said got to be Campbell. Keith behind bars said Jack Campbell. Tonjavares, Tonjavares said, "How can it not be Campbell?" One person said Keith and Dubis. Thought that was interesting, but yeah, a lot of Campbell. Mm -hmm. But an interesting one. Nick Piz said Campbell played well in both seasons, regular and playoffs. And then, so the actual interesting one we got one from Kyle Demarkey said William Nylander. I think that's fair. I think it's an interesting one play playoffs on again. Cause I, he was a little up and down in, in the regular season in the Canadian division. Right. But 
playoffs on, he's been very, very good. Very good. He had some interesting stretches where it was like, I remember there was one game against Vancouver. They lost. He had two and a half minutes worth of highlights. It was just him like actually producing very good chances. Just that Jodemko was awesome that night. And he ended up with zero, zero points. But yeah, in the playoffs, he was the, he was the least best skater. I mean, that, that counts for a lot. And uh, he's having a very, very good start to this year. I think, I think he's over a point a game, if not a point per game. So if you include playoffs, that's he's, he's over a point per game. Like that's just exceptional value from William Nealand. Did anyone say Austin Matthews? Nobody said Austin. Matthews. I was going to say Austin that's Matthews. Crazy. I mean, he won the rocket Richard trophy. He's yeah. like fourth in goals this year as well. I understand. People bit, don't care though. They don't I know. Care. The playoffs. He, uh, he struggled. So, you know, I can understand why, but. Yeah, I was going to say Austin Matthews, but I think it's Jack Campbell. I, I 100% see Jack Campbell. I mean, even Kyle DeMarkey then, I, I said a lot of people are saying Campbell, and he said, like, he changed it. He said 1A, 1B. <laughs> I think Campbell's yeah, been very fair. good as well. So, yeah, Jack Campbell, I mean, should have been so rock solid back there. and The numbers support it, like, from this year, last year, playoffs, everything. I mean, Jack Campbell's our MVP, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So... Now I think there's going to be a little bit of debate on, the, like, let's get into the Norris. Who do you think was the Leafs' best defenseman in 2021? You know, I think you can go, th- obviously, three ways with this, right? And I think I would accept any of the answers. But I think the most important defenseman on the Leafs the last calendar year has been TJ Brody. I also don't – do people remember how well he played in the playoffs as well? He was fantastic. That pairing of Riley and Brody yeah. was very good in the playoffs. Very I don't good. think people and I, talk. He had actually, did he have a big, get a goal, a very big goal he did in game have a six? Goal. In game six, he did. And he's just been the same guy for 365 days. Not whatever. I'm sure there's, there's 11 <laughs> days left in this year, but he's been the same steady presence. And on a team that was really searching for somebody to do exactly that, right? They added Jake Muzzin, but on the right side, there was nobody that was consistent on our defense core for. Oh, yeah. The last five years. Yep. So, Do you remember those days of Ron Hainsey? Ron Hainsey yes. being Morgan Riley's Rowan partner? Polak, oh, yes, yes, God. yes. Thank Matt you. Hunwick, yes, yes, yes. Matt yes. Hunwick. Zakita Zaitsev. Like Zaitsev, just, yeah. Like, like That was it was incredible. Yeah, he's been such a breath of fresh air on that uh, the first pairing right D. Um, that's an interesting one. I'd have to go with Morgan Riley. I mean, just he's playing awesome right now. Since he signed that contract, he's been – the numbers have been flying. I mean, he's been scaled. He's doing better defensively on top of that. In the playoffs, yeah, him and TJ Brody were awesome. Morgan Riley, I think, had a few more points than he did, obviously. I know it's been up and down. We've bagged him a lot. But, like, the offensive numbers, when you look at them, are, like, top 10 in the league, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can't look past five on five top uh, five on five offensive numbers are top 10 in the league. Uh, he's got to be top five in defensive scoring this year. I have, I have actually looked that up, but I, I, I think I'd go with Morgan Riley on that one. In terms of submissions, Kyle DeMarkey said Riley as well. And then Nick Piz said, where are we? He said Riley, good in the playoffs, playing well right now. I, I understand your pick of TJ Brody. He has been a rock. He's been, I mean, at Morgan Riley's worst, he's really helped to make up for that. <laughs> like, right. The plays against the, the, the chances against that Morgan Riley gives up at times are not easy ones. And I mean, 
that sliding, like that the the play that he does when he slides across and brings that stick back at the last minute to break up plays is just like that's, that's awesome. incredible. Like, and now you're seeing Travis Dermott do the same thing as well. But I, I'd be good with either one. But I'd say Morgan Riley Norris for the Toronto Maple Leafs this year, right? And I have no I have no problem with that. Yeah. But the one thing I'll say in in summation is, do you remember when the when the Riley contract got signed? And at oh, that yeah, time, we... Bro- Brody was playing with Muzzin, right? And Riley wasn't playing great at that time. And we were, you know, even after that contract, for the first couple games, for the first couple games. When he was with, when Travis, he was Dermott. with Travis Dermott. And what were we saying? That pairing doesn't look very good. Interesting. And we were also saying you need to be able to drive your own line at $8 million, whatever his deal is at. And, and that's not taking anything away from Morgan Riley because Morgan Riley with TJ Brody is a freaking – gunslinger awesome defenseman but a lot of that has to do with what tj brody does right on top of that we did bag him for power play and i mean he right after he put pen to paper i mean i don't think people like really bring that up but like his five on five numbers again as i mentioned last episode have stayed pretty much the same it's his power play that it's gone through the roof and i mean it's been been incredible can't say enough good things about how strong he's been on the power play there yeah, that's a, that's a, that is an I'm interesting point. Yep. Um, underrated player of the year. That's a great question because the, the thing about a Leafs podcast every week is like, is anyone really underrated? Because we do do a pretty good job of shining a light on almost everybody that's playing well. So it's a tough question. That The answer could also be TJ Brody for this, by the way. That's what I was going to say. Nick, Nick Piss did what, say uh, David Camp. That's I mean, a good one. You could say that bunting Kasha, he said as well. I mean, yeah, the issue is with like with Toronto, like who the hell's underrated? <laughs> we I talk about one. literally everyone. One. Go. I got one. John yeah. Tavares. That's an interesting one. Like, Kyle DeMarkey said look, Kerfoot. Look, Kerfoot's a great one, but you know, that's one thing that usually like when people talk about that Habs, we didn't even talk about, we talked about his injury as a moment, but like if John Tavares plays for the Leafs, do they lose to the Montreal Canadiens? We don't know a definitive answer, but probably not. Probably not. Right. And look how he's played this year. Not spectacular, but he's got 32 points in 29 games. He's got 13 goals. He's playing well on the power play. He's got five power play goals this year. He had six all of last year. He had seven all of two years ago. Like, he's playing really well for the Leafs this year. Him and Nylander are growing that chemistry on that line with Alex Kerfoot. I think John Tavares is, if not underrated, maybe sometimes underappreciated due to the amount of money he makes. And you know me. I am absolutely sick of hearing those numbers that those guys make because I get it. It's important. I understand why it's important, but so far I think John Tavares is underrated for his game specifically during the 2021, 2022 season. But TJ Brody is a great answer, by the way. Yeah. John Tavares. That's a fantastic or a fantastic suggestion. I mean, he's second on the Leafs this year in points with 32 and 29 games in terms of points, five on five points over the last so in the 2021 calendar year, John Tavares is third on the Leafs in five-on-five five points with 49 in 85 games. Nine more than Nylander. Interesting. Very good. In terms of goals, guess who's second in five-on-five five goals on the Leafs in 2021? Per 60 or overall? Overall. Second in five-on-five five goals. Nylander? Nope. I don't know. You get one more Mitch guess. Marner? Yep. Mitch Marner was 20. Wow. 
Because last wow. year he had a lot of five on five goals. I mean, I, this year I think he only has like one, but last year he had he had twenty goals last year, fifty six games. Mm-hmm. Just putting the puck okay. in the net makes you think. Could probably makes do sense. it this year. <laughs> yeah, we'll see it when he comes back. He will. I mean, you could almost put me like I mean, Martyr right now is a, an underrated player. <laughs> without how hard not in this market (laughs) not in this market but with how hard he's been bagged this year i mean like you can almost say he's been underrated just because of this i'm just happy that i'm just happy that daily faceoff guy got his tom wilson over mitch marner for team canada take in there before they canceled the olympics uh, he got his clicks again i'm happy for him like yeah assistant gm of the buffalo sabers from 2017 to 2020 the glory a, years of the Sabres. The glory years of the Sabres. But also, yeah, I loved how we put in there, oh, uh, Mitch Marner out, Tom Wilson in. We really, you're really going to value uh, playoff performance on this team. He had Zach Hyman on that team. Five points yeah, in his last yeah. 32 playoff games. I don't, I don't know. Oh. The goalposts. We just moving keep on. moving them. Yeah. Keep moving them. Moving, moving keep on. moving them. Anywho. Moving on. Um, our vanilla player of the year. This one's a big one. There's a lot of different nominees you could put in there, but who is your vanilla player of the year? That's a good question. There's a lot of them you could really put in there. It's got to be Nick Ritchie, right? Because like he was the highest money free agent signing that they brought in this year, right? Other than Mrazek. So he's technically your biggest, yeah, right? Biggest free agent signing. So I'd say Nick Ritchie, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, like, Thornton, you could theoretically actually put him in there. I mean, like his, yeah. he wasn't like, he just took up too much time kind of thing. But when you look at it, like Thornton, at least actually at one point was producing pretty well. Nick Ritchie has not done that. I mean, I know he had five points in six games, whatever, before the break, but like, it was a very uninspiring five points in six games. One of his points was yeah, a primary really assist where Jason Spezza scored from behind the net. Like, yeah, he's got a lot of random like power play assists that are like, where do they come from? He's had maybe two good points this year. One was the goal, and then one was a pass to yeah. Nylander or someone like that on the power play. But it's just been very uninspiring this year. I think he's leading the vanilla player of the year voting this year. No, that's Justin Hole. Justin Hole's winning this year, but he's up. He's right up. He's right up there, and at least Justin Hole has last year to help boost him up, or else I think he would have been the, the Vanilla Player of the Year. But um, kind of funny that the Vanilla Player of the Year is not even the player who we named the award after. Yeah, it could be Jimmy VC too. <laughs> but, like, Richie somehow has been worse statistically, so that's tough. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, again, similar trajectory, but at one point Jimmy VC was scoring. So, yeah. Hopefully, Nick, Nick Ritchie gets one? it. Um, I got Justin Hole and oh, you're gonna you're gonna love this one. Um, we got a, a Mitch Marner nomination because he played like Garbo in the playoffs. He said, "Yeah, he was the vanilla player of the playoffs for sure." Yeah, it's unfortunate, but put up a lot of chances. Just I mean, none of that matters in the playoffs. Puck needs to go in the net. I really value hard to... Yeah, I really value advanced stats and like watching plays that didn't result in goals through the regular season because you have 82 games and it's like okay, eventually, you know, 
everything's going to regress towards the mean. The puck's going to start going to the net. Like, but you only have seven games in the playoffs. It needs to go into the net now, or else you're going to be golfing at St. George's. Yeah. Right. hundred percent. It's just tough when you think about a guy who has like over this year, 87 points in 70 games. And he's like the vanilla player. It's crazy. But yeah. I mean, Mitch Marner has, I think in terms of points per 60, he leads the Leafs. Yeah. In points per 60, five on five, he leads the Leafs in 2021. He has two less points than Austin Matthews does at five on five. Uh, Obviously, uh, if you like overall, Austin Matthews leads the Leafs in points. But I mean, his, his numbers, because of his assist total, are pretty close to what Austin Matthews' points total is. And here we are, he's being put up for vanilla player of the year. Like some people will just not like him. I, I think even if they win like a Stanley Cup at this point, I just don't think people like him, which is fine. Yeah. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. But that's just not like it's not how you we talk about this. That's not how you, like people go about being fans usually, but this is a crazy place. And I, he he's not like he's doesn't deserve criticism for his playoff play. Yeah. So right? everyone's entitled to their opinion, whether we agree or not. Exactly. Exactly. It's a crazy, frustrated market that has not seen a championship since 1967. And in that time, they've had more owners going to jail than they have had Stanley Cup appearances, I believe. It's right? a great stat. Stat surfing. <laughs> Good old Harold Ballard. Because I was going to call some sort of award the Harold Ballard Award of Excellence, but no, no. I couldn't even. I, yeah, no. Anywho. Um, did you have any other... 2021 moments you want yeah to the breakout there? players from the breakout players for me are the two young defensemen on the third pair for the toronto maple Leafs. i think we've seen the start of an emergence of a future top four duo on the d for the Leafs. i really do so yep. uh, we talked about it a lot like i we all wish they played more the previous season they didn't we may have jared mccann on our team if if they did like who knows but regardless of that these guys were drafted by Kyle Dubas they've been developed in the Marlies with Sheldon Keefe Sheldon Keefe's the coach now Kyle Dubas is the GM it's time like these guys let yeah. them let them free and they, they yeah. we've started we're about seems like we're about 75 percent of the way there to where they're line up regulars every night and I really think these are the future of the Toronto Maple Leafs on the back end so yeah. it's exciting it might- to see these guys break through in my opinion, we've seen what we need to see as like a starting point to be like, okay, like they're going to project to be up here in a few years time. And like, they're going to be a big part of the Toronto Maple Leafs moving forward. Right. Because we just didn't, we knew it was there, but the difference between the AHL and the NHL is obviously massive. And like, we just needed to see something, something, not even like fantastic Calder level play, but like something in the NHL to be like, okay, like, there's something here. There's something special here. Not even special. There's something good here that the Leafs are, that we're going to see for a few years to come. Right. Yep. And we've seen it. So we're happy. We are happy indeed. Um, any other closing thoughts that you had for the Leafs this year? It's been a crazy year and it's, it's nonstop all the way to the last day of the season. So, or last day of 2021, just, you know, Hopefully we can get all get back in that stadium. Yeah. Hopefully it's not too long of the 50% thing because 
the one thing that reminds you of 2020, 2021 is the empty stadiums suck. Yeah. It was good to have sports after we lost them, but man, having the fans back in there is awesome. So I've never been so thankful to like have fans in the stands. You didn't realize what a big part of the game it was until it was taken away. Right. Yeah. Just to hear absolutely nothing after an overtime goal or a big goal. Like it helps so much, like with the home team to switch to help, like, you know, change up that momentum even. And like just to have that taken away was really, really shitty. And uh, hopefully we get to a point where we can have everyone 100% capacity again. Right. Yeah, it was crazy last year as the playoffs started. Like all those buildings in the States were filling up again. And the Leafs technically had home ice advantage in the Canadian division. Didn't really matter though, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Right. So we'll see though. We, we shall see. Anyways, uh, interesting 2021. Um, cheers to 2022. We got the World Juniors coming up. Matthew Nyes, mm-hmm. Roni Hirvinen, Topi Nimala. I'm so excited to see those guys play. Uh, Roni Hirvinen just got named captain of Team Finland. Uh, Topi Nimala is an assistant there. And then Matthew Nyes on Team USA. Let's go, baby. World Juniors. Matthew Nyes is, Matthew Nyes is a guy I'm going to probably have to eat some crow on because he looks really good. So oh, we'll yeah. see how he plays. I think our next episode will probably, if there's, there's not going to be juniors. a game. So a lot of world juniors, I think. Yeah. We'll touch on some sort of hockey um, to get into, uh, like, just quickly get into the players here. I mean, Matthew nice power forward, a lot of velocity on his shot. Good for checker. Uh, Roni here, and smart two ways. Uh, I want to say two way, good two way center. Am I off on that one? Yeah. Anyways, we'll see soon. Um, just does a lot of things pretty well with his game also pretty skilled in there too Topi Nimala is just monster like sorry not monster he's not a very big defenseman but very 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 good puck moving defenseman you're going to see him play over 25 minutes a game for team Finland he's going to be massive for them world juniors defenseman of the of the tournament last year too like just three promising prospects that are going to play a lot for their, their two of them should play a lot for their team Matthew Nice hopefully will play a lot for team USA um, it's, it's going to be exciting. I'm, I'm really excited to see those three play. Like they're, they're, these are not like fourth line players that you're seeing from the Leafs here. These are, these are going to be big pieces here that are going to be interesting to watch. hundred percent. And even like team Canada related, seeing Connor Bedard and Shane, Wright, Like two oh, stud yeah. draft eligible guys that will go first overall in the next two drafts. You know, it's, it's exciting. So. Oh yeah, that yeah, those two. I, I was almost surprised Canada took two like a seventeen-year-old and an eighteen-year-old there, but I'm really glad they did because both of them are fantastic. Connor Bernard, I think, played just so well in camp that they're like, okay, we, if we cut him, they'd be stupid too. So yeah, exciting. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, cheers to 2021. All the best to 2022. Right? Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Thank you everyone for listening. There's a new Spotify feature. Please check it out. Um, you can now rate podcasts on Spotify. You couldn't before. If you have Spotify and you're listening to on Spotify, please leave us a rating there. And thank you all for listening. Go Leafs go.